Welcome to Rasa Stand, hosted by Flo. I give you history, political views, and current affairs to deal with La Raza. When I speak about the Raza, I'm talking about the brown, Spanish-speaking community. We are not monolithic. Therefore, you're going to hear a variety of different people speaking about different subjects. It is important to share our story. I'm the combination of book smart and street smart. And when I speak on something, I give you critical sources. Tune in. Cross the stand. Take a stand to understand. You are love. I used to bathe in waters that purify my wounds, yet there I lay. My waters contaminated with dishonesty seeped into my pores, poisoning my heart. This river was my healing place, a place that I used to bathe in repeatedly. Time after time, I returned to El Rio. Gradually, it became a stream, and I could no longer swim. The green vegetation slowly died, and the soil transformed. I had never swum this far downstream, and I was unaware that my river had an end. I lay there in a dry land in disbelief, but I slowly made my way up, rising to my feet. Alone on this journey, I ventured into lands unknown, with no choice but to move forward. On my journey, I visited many strange lands, a desert with palm trees, met a medicine man in the land of music, and arrested in a great body of purified water. My journey was therapeutic, and something about that desert with palm trees intrigued me. I pondered about how such a marvelous creation could dig its roots into this barren, hot sediment. Sprout to be so grand. This must be the place from where God is, as the medicine man told me about. It defies the impossible. The curiosity attracted me to this barren land. I needed to know how the beauty could breed in this uninhabitable place. With each step, the landscape became hotter and drier, the complete opposite of El Rio, and I noticed the difference immediately. Thus, I proceeded. Confused in this desert, I began to thirst for the healing from the river, but I knew the H2O was no longer drinkable. Exhausting my resources, I continued to walk. The heat from this desert began to take a toll on my body, mind, and soul. I began to see things that could not possibly exist in a desert. Red roses, information provided me a path for me. It was there and then I decided to take this path, not knowing if it was real or not. With every step, more visions that appeared to be mirages, oh so close yet oh so far. As I extended my arms to reach for these visions, I could not grasp them, almost like something was holding me back. Suddenly, it was that one vision that seemed too real to be a mirage. I remember you, I told you. 
I remember seeing your beautiful tiny light complexion walking by my river when I swam happily in those purified waters. I would see you many a times, but you would never reveal your face to me. You just walked towards me in a fast motion, but you wouldn't get any closer. The wind blew your hair simultaneously, moving with those desert palms. It was you, the same woman who I would see by my river, yet I couldn't see you. As I neared this barren land, I approached you, exhausted and wounded. Dehydrated in this barren land, you offered me this sweet fluid from your soul, and your passion told me, this is what you need. That sweet fluid opened my eyes. My soul was rehydrated and realized how a gigantic marble could grow in this barren land. The roots are deep in the soil, and all that grows here is nourished by the one element that gives life to all. Love. You are love. That is the best way I can describe my wife. She is the epitome of love. Before I met Rivicelli Bravo in 2014, I was a very wounded person. Physically, emotionally, mentally, I was not ready to meet somebody new. But life works very mysteriously. I remember coming back from my trip across the United States that I took by myself from California to Florida, seeing many different things, different people. And I told myself, man, I want to keep doing this. I want to keep traveling the country, the world to get to know different things. But on February 7th, of 2014, that would change. It was the day I met my wife. I remember seeing her for the first time and thinking to myself, oh, who's this? See, my job had a lot of interns and volunteers that would always show up. So I figured, well, it's probably somebody just here to volunteer or whatnot. But even then, she caught my attention. And I remember after seeing her, out of all the different classes she could have gone to, she came to my class. And she was there. And I told myself, oh, it's the same girl that I saw earlier, right? And me being a gentleman or just being a uh, person who likes to introduce themselves. When, when I see somebody new, I went up to her and I introduced myself and I said, Oh, I'm Daniel. I am the instructor in this classroom. And I am happy to meet you. What is your name? She told me your name. But she introduced herself as Ruby, not Rovacelli. And we started talking. 
she was very, very open about herself very, very early. Talked about her ambitions in life, what she wanted to do with, with herself. She was still in college at the time, and I was already working there. So I was uh, pretty impressed with, you know, just some of her ambitions or just how she thought. But even then, I didn't really think anything of it, let it go, and that was the end of that. I then saw her again a week later, but when I saw her again, I was um, kind of taken aback because when I first met her, you know, she had a regular shirt on, she had a beanie on. You know, just looked like somebody who just, you know, was there to work. And then when I saw her again, she had a skirt, a nice uh, blouse that basically showed her figure. So I was like, whoa, okay, that's what that's what's underneath all that, right? So then I, I, uh, I was like, okay. I went up to her, and I remember this was Valentine's Day. And I remember that, that day specifically because that day I woke up early. I drove all the way to Bakersfield for one of my homeboys because he wanted to impress somebody there. I took her some flowers and I came back and uh, I said, this is not for me. It's for my homeboy, Secret Admirer, whatever, right? Anywho, I came back, went to work and I saw Ruby and I went up to her. And I wanted to ask her, hey, what are you doing for Valentine's Day, right? Because that would have indicated, well, she's either with somebody or not. And I've kind of assumed that she was because of the way she was dressed. I figured, well, she probably has a date. She's going to go out and, and whatever. But I didn't ask. She was an ask, the, the one that asked me first. And she said, what are you doing for Valentine's Day? And I laughed and I told her, for the first time in about two years, I'm not doing anything. And I'm actually kind of happy about it because the last two years have been pretty crazy. <laughs> and then I asked her, what about you? Do you have a date or something? She's like, oh, no, I don't have any dates. I'm probably going to be by myself hanging out, right? So I was like, oh, okay, she doesn't have, doesn't have a boyfriend, right? So then that, for me, I, I guess it made it easier for me to continue to talk to her. And we did. We continued to talk. Uh, we didn't hang out that, that night, but we still continued to uh, just converse. And I remember the next time I saw her, she spoke about her family, her mom, specifically her mom. She talked about how her mom was her best friend and how she got along with her pretty well. And there was this one thing that she told me that I will never forget. And she said, I'm an open book. I don't hide anything. When I have something to say, I'm going to tell you. And coming from a relationship that I had experienced, something that was the complete opposite of that, where this person hid something from me for such a long time that ultimately led to the end of that relationship. I was impressed by that, by those words. And I remember having a thought in my head. I don't know why I had this thought, but I told myself, this girl is going to be mine. I don't know if it was the confidence, if it was just me just feeling the connection with her. And I didn't tell her this, obviously, at the, at the moment, but I felt it. We continued to talk. And 
before the night was over, uh, I was in a bit of a predicament because obviously she was an intern. I was somebody working there and she was working under me. So I needed to be a little careful with how I approached the situation. So I said, uh, look, this is my contact information. Uh, I gave her my email and I said, if you ever need any, any uh, help with any anything, just reach out to me. Pretty much left the ball on her court. If she wanted to talk to me, she was going to talk to me. If she didn't want to talk to me, then, you know, I was okay with it. And she reached out to me uh, a couple of days after. She sent me an email. So then I said, well, you know what? Uh, if you want to have board a direct contact, here's my number. And a few days later, she sent me a text saying, oh, uh, what's up, Tsunami? That's what she used to call me because at the time I had long hair. And she called me Johnny Tsunami. That was the name she used to call me. So we began to speak through text whilst she was told of my job. And then um, one day she came with a great notebook and she said, would you be interested in communicating through this notebook? And I thought that was really cute that she wanted to do that. And I said, sure, why not, right? So for a couple of months, we, not months, weeks, we communicated through that notebook. Also, obviously, through text or whatever. But that notebook was pretty cool because you pretty much shared something that probably was going to be too long for text. And we would go back and forth, ask questions. And then one day she uh, actually brought me some food, some snacks, came into my office and said, oh, uh, I don't know if you like this, but here's this. So then at that point, I began to think to myself, okay, I think she's kind of into me, you know, probably, more than likely. But again, I needed to play it cool because um, one, again, she was an intern at my job, and two... Uh, it would be considered unethical based on the rules of my job. So I still didn't, you know, really pursue anything. Just kind of kept it on the law, as they say. And then one day she comes up to me and says, hey, what are you doing this weekend? Oh, no, wait, sorry. Before that, I actually asked her to go out with me to get some food. We went to the Grand Cafe. It's a vegan restaurant in Mid-City, Los Angeles. And she said, sure, we went. So that was our official first date. I, I, I like to say that. We, we spoke, talked about things and whatnot. She shared some stuff. And then uh, I shared with her that I can sing. And then sure enough, of course, she put me on the spot. I did sing. She liked what I did. And then we just kind of hung, hung, hung out on the car. She drew on my arm, drew this figurine that looked like her. And I kept it obviously for a while you know i did shower though even after i showered it still wouldn't come off but anywho it was a very natural connection off the bat it was not forced and every everything that she would share with me i just was really really amazed and and um just felt great felt natural so eventually she does end up asking me to if she wanted to, you know, she asked me what I was doing a certain week, and I said I wasn't, didn't have any plans. So we ended up, she ended up saying, oh, uh, I'm actually cooking for my roommates this weekend. If you would like to come, uh, you're welcome to come. I said, oh, cool, you're going to cook for me? I was like, of, of course, I'll go. 
Uh, and I said, oh, afterwards we can go do some karaoke since you like the way I sing, right? <laughs> we did that, and I showed up to her house, met the roommates, and then we hung out for a couple, couple hours, actually. More than a couple hours. And it just felt right. It just felt right. And then eventually, I could tell she wanted to tell me something, and and um, she did. She said, oh, I, I want to tell you something, but I feel scared to tell you. And I kind of knew what it was at this point, but I'd still want her to say it. And maybe I was off. Maybe I was wrong, right? And she ends up revealing to me that she that she actually finds me attractive and likes spending time with me and and uh, likes me, basically. So, mind you, this is about three months, four months after my breakup. So, mentally and emotionally, I was not available to be with her and I never talked about my past relationship with her at least at that point I did not didn't want to didn't feel the need to but I did ask her and I did say to her okay so what do you mean by this and I said do you want a relationship out of this what are you trying to get out of it and again she said I, I would like to have a relationship with you so I love the honesty I love the fact that she was willing to put herself out there like that and and tell me that what she wanted and I, I needed that right so I let her know that I also found her attractive and I liked hanging out with her. But at the moment, a relationship for me was not something that I was ready to get into, considering that I was still healing, considering that I wanted to give her my best, right? So we were good. And she said, okay, that's fine. We'll keep hanging out and whatnot. But my my wife was pretty much ready to, to get things going. And I wasn't. We were not on the same page. And this would eventually lead to friction. And it did. And I remember the specific day where she asked me if I would hold her hand in public. And I felt uncomfortable because I was not dating her yet. So I said, I probably wouldn't do that if you asked me to. And this obviously upset her. I understand now, you know, eight years later, why I did. And... Here, she said, well, if you're not willing to do that, then you're not going to get the benefits of a relationship. And I respected that because not a lot of women would advocate for themselves like that or put boundaries like that. It just made me like her even more, right? She would basically not give in, and I respected that. And she came from a place... You know, she had tried to be in relationships with, with people in the past and they would dog her or they would try to take advantage of her and she just wouldn't allow it. So when they, they didn't get the benefits, then she would basically get ghosted, as they say. So she let me know this. And I thought that was very, very honest and very, very vulnerable. And I really respected that. So with that said, I still continued to say, well, I would like to get to know you more. And eventually I did ask her to be my girlfriend on the 1st of, sorry, on the 4th of uh, April, don't kill me, Ruby, of 2014. I remember that day because I went to a concert to see my mentor perform, but I made it official, right? But I still felt like I wasn't fully ready to be in that, and this would eventually show out. So about three months in, I was, I was, um, feeling a certain way 
I, I was watching a football game. I was already frustrated with the results. I went to her place watching it there. And Ruby is a talker. She loves to talk. Right? And sometimes she will talk so much that she will not let you get a word in. Right. So that specific day, I, I wanted her to say something and she just kept cutting me off and I got upset. And I let her know that I didn't like that. I didn't like that she was doing that. So I felt a certain kind of way and all these feelings started to come up for me. And I, and I essentially that night I said, I don't think we should continue to date. Obviously this broke her heart, this crushed her. And I felt bad about it, but I also wanted to be honest with myself. I said, I'm, if there's certain things I don't like, I just don't want to engage in them. And this was coming from a place of, again, I was still hurt. I was still healing and I was not ready to be in that relationship. So before we got even deeper, I wanted to break it off. And obviously she felt upset about it and <laughs> told me all kinds of stuff. And I get it, right? I get it. So we uh, stopped talking for about two weeks, but then she reached out to me and, and asked me, I don't need you to be honest with me, Daniel. Did you use me? I said, no, I, did. I would never do that to you. Never. And I was honest about it. I didn't do that. But, you know, she continued to want to talk to me and engage with me. And I said that, that uh, I could not be her friend because, one, I didn't think that was a good idea considering, you know, we had already crossed boundaries. And it just would hurt her even more. Uh, but I did suggest that if we were going to move forward with, with the relationship, then, you know, there were some things that I needed to, to see moving forward. So she agreed. We got back together for about two months. And then again, we ended up breaking up. Uh, so at this point, I was done. I was like, I'm ready to move on. I can't continue to be doing this with her. It's not fair to her. Um, and I felt that it was best for the both of us to just split up. So I didn't talk to her for almost a whole month, month and a half. And then again, I get a message from her saying, uh, I need to talk to you. And I said, what's going on? And I said, I, I think, I think I'm thinking pregnant. And I was like, what? <laughs> and I immediately went to speak with her and said, well, we got to get this, you know, thing checked up and see if it's true. And if that's the case, then, you know, I'm not going to be a deadbeat. I will be involved in a child's life and I will continue to, to be with you. And she was like, I don't need to be with you. I just need to know if this is your child or not, and then we'll decide what to do. And I said, okay, well then, first let's figure this out, right? So we went to the doctor, got checked, waited a few days, and it was a negative test. It was just a scare, right? So, But during that time when I was spending time with her, I began to miss her. I began to remember how I felt when I was with her. She made me feel comfortable in being who I am. And this was the first time really ever that I felt that with any woman that I was with, where I could, felt, where I could feel I could be my fully self. I could joke with her. I can, you know, s explain things to her. She didn't know. I can watch sports with her. I can basically do all the things that I wanted to do and didn't feel like... You know, this person was trying to change me. So I, I, 
I told myself, what am I doing here? Why am I continuing to reject this woman when she's here for me every single time? So then I, I asked her and I said, hey, would you want to give this another chance? And at first she's like, why? So you can dump me again? And I said, no, I, I, I think this is a sign from God that you and I are supposed to be together. And I know that the first few months I've been rough and rocky and I understand why you would not want to do this again. You put yourself out there so many times and I respect that so much from you. But I think that we can make it work. And I, uh, we talked about it and she said, okay, well, we'll see how it goes. And eventually we, we, uh, made it official again. And it was about October, November when I relapsed with my condition. And this was the first time that I had relapsed from the condition that I had since the hospital. So it had been a year and a half. And I was really moody. I was taking prednisone and all kinds of medication. And I just was not, I was not a person you would want to be around. And yet she took care of me. She was there. She made sure that I was fed. She made sure that I felt good. She brought me food. She brought me all kinds of stuff. And, and, and even then I still didn't feel like I was truly appreciating what she was doing. And it was at that moment when I asked her, I was like, Ruby, why are you doing this for me? I don't feel like I'm a good person. I don't feel like I'm good enough to, to be with you. I've hurt you so many times already. I have this disease. Like, why, why are you with me? And she said, because I love you. And when she said that to me, I just, I felt this, this relief in my body. It felt like this was finally it. That no matter what I did, no matter who I was, this woman was going to stay with me. And she didn't need to. She could have walked away so many different times and I would have understood if she did. And the irony is that with the women that I tried so hard to make things work, never give me this kind of energy. And with her, it was the complete opposite. So I felt so horrible for that. I felt like, man, I wasted so many years with women I was never going to build with. And I wish I would have met her earlier. So it was there and then where I, I, I think I really fell in love with her. November of 2014. It took me a long time to finally catch up to her feelings. But she was there. And eventually things got better. She was finishing school. She was still living by herself with roommates. And then we came across another uh, situation. She graduated from school. She didn't have a place to live because she didn't have any more financial aid. And she said, well, I'm going to go back to, to the desert. And I said, well, if you do that, then I can't continue the relationship. And I was being honest with her, too. I didn't want to do some long-distance thing. It just was, wasn't going to work. So I said, I know this is radical, and I know this is crazy, but how about we, we move in together? And 
She said, well, I don't know about that. I said, I know. I get it. I understand. It's only been a year. But I can take over the payments. I can pay the rent. And you can take your time looking for a job while I'll, I'll do this, right? And I felt like that was only right because of all the stuff she had done for me in that one year. So I didn't even feel like I uh, was doing really a favor. I was just paying back what she had done for me. And she um, she agreed, right? She agreed to do this and she didn't need to. Maybe she felt, she felt pressure. Maybe it was too soon. But uh, I asked her, do you want me to ask your dad? And she said, no, I don't. I don't I don't want to I don't want to bring him into into the situation just let's just do it and and uh we'll be fine right so within a year we we moved in we uh did it probably without really planning anything the only thing I did talk about was finances and I said well you got to get this right obviously she wasn't working yet but I said once you do you know then I'll you'll take care of this I'll take care of this and we'll be fine so we did, right? And we were there for about two years in Linwood, California, slash Compton. It was a condominium. It was a three-story condominium. We were at the bottom. We had roommates as well. So it was a very small, tiny place. And we had issues with some of the roommates, too, at one point. They got pretty violent. Uh, luckily, the landlord, after many times, finally kicked them out. So we ha- actually had the place to ourselves for... A good probably six months and then the owners came back and when they came back they came back with the whole family so the owners were a single mom with four kids so they were living upstairs and we were living downstairs everybody else had already left so it was a little awkward but it was a sister of the person who let us in they were cool for a while Got along with the, got along with the kids. They were teenagers. We talked about football and whatnot. But then eventually, we we um, knew that we couldn't stay there any, any any longer. And eventually, my wife decided to go and look for a place right on Craigslist. She found a place in Monterey Park. I had only been in Monterey Park once in my entire life, and the apartment was available in february of 2017 and we were still there in january so we said let's go take a look and see you know what it looks like and we did go we saw the apartment and this was obviously bigger a bigger place for us there'll be privacy it would just be just us um and i fell in love with the place the neighborhood and i told her i, I want it she was a little iffy about it, but, you know, she, she followed my lead. I said, okay, let's do it. So the landlord, I said, hey, uh, how much do you want for this place? I got the money now. I can take it. She said, okay. He said, okay, let, let, let's do it. So that day I came in with the money. I signed the lease. I got the place, and we had the place to ourselves. So now we're officially moved in by ourselves with no roommates, and it felt great. It felt really great to, to have this to ourselves but my wife always wanted a dog she had a dog back at home with her mom but here she wanted one so i've never been a dog person i decided to 
bite the bullet and say, okay, let's go find one. So he went to a pet store. This is back when pet stores still, still sold dogs and found the cutest little mini pincher I'd ever seen in my life. And I told her, let's get it. And we did. There was three of them, and one of them was the one that uh, we liked. He was super energetic. And I said, we're going to call him Snoop because he looks like Snoop Dogg, right? Uh, so we did that. We got the dog, came home. So now we had a dog. We were a couple with a dog. And for years, we had talked about children, or at least in this case, it was three years. And we kind of just gave up because my medication that I take, when I started taking it, I was told that I would be possibly infertile. So I kind of just gave up on on the idea of having children. So it was just me, my wife, and my dog. But then God stepped in. So one day... Ruby comes up to me and tells me, I think I'm pregnant. And she would do this a lot. She would just play with me a lot, right? And I don't know why she would do this, because I guess she knew I wanted kids badly. And I said, oh, whatever, you know, I didn't believe it. And she said, no, I'm serious. Like, I, I think I need to take a test. So we want to go take the test. And sure enough, it came back positive. And I was like, ah, it's, probably, it's probably an error. This was our second quote-unquote scare, right? Obviously in a different circumstance. So we went to to the to the um the doctor, took the test, and she came out and said, No, it was false. So I was I was like, damn, like I wish I wish it was um it was true, right? So we were driving back to the apartment and I was just sad. Because I was like, man, I guess I can't really have kids. I mean, it's just not going to happen. And then she said, you know, I was playing with you, right? Now, she's a really, really good, like, she has a really good poker face. So if she tells you something, she, she, can, she, can, uh, she can pull it off. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, no, I'm pregnant. I was like, well, you just told me you're not. No, no, I'm serious. I'm pregnant. And she showed me the test and... Sure enough, it said she was pregnant, and I just immediately just jumped in joy, and I was like, what? Like, I can't believe I'm going to be a father. Out of all the things that I had ever done, that is one thing that I had accomplished yet. I was 29 years old. No, sorry, I was 30. I was going to be 31. So I just felt like, wow, this is perfect timing. We just got our own place, got our dog. We're both, you know, working well. And I knew that this is the time to do it. She was a little worried about it because she didn't know if she was going to be a good mom, but I, I didn't doubt her. I felt ready as a man to be a father. So the pregnancy was actually pretty smooth. It, it, it didn't, it didn't uh, have any issues, any complications. She looked beautiful, pregnant, right? And eventually on December 1st, 2017, the Lord blessed me with Suet Lali Sendejas Bravo. And on that note, that's where this episode ends because my daughter 
is going to have her own episode. So now I know this is Flo, Rasa Stan, take a stand to understand. Peace. I don't Love.